Chase Field for one night only on the same stage. It happens December 8th. Tickets go on sale today at 10 a.m., but you could win a pair possibly by visiting the contest page at KTAR.com. So, um, I have been diving more into the crime and punishment aspect of things. As you might, as you know, I'm a, I am a big public safety advocate. I don't believe it's just a campaign sign when politicians say, you know, police and fire endorsed and public safety first. I think it is the number one job of, a, of, of community leadership. The reason why we pay taxes in a city and we hire city leadership, in my opinion, begins with public safety. A fully funded, fully staffed police department, a fully funded, fully staffed, fully equipped fire department, all All of that is part of making a good, safe, healthy community. Schools are involved in all of those other things. And we have gotten involved in so many ancillary things. I believe we are a mile wide and an inch deep. That's just my opinion. But we need to do a better job with public safety. That has been my my base. That's kind of been the the basis and the foundation of where with the things I talk about. But it has morphed into more than that. We have seen a shift in ideology, just like we saw a shift a few years ago in ideology where we went to a defund the police attitude, where it was that law enforcement has a systemic problem and defunding them and less officers made cities safer and better. That knee-jerk reaction has proven to be a disaster. In my humble opinion. But there has also been an ideological shift in prosecution and punishment. And it comes from many times a minority of people in leadership. And it is not, they are not the biggest numbers, but they are the loudest voices that have got people's ear. They are the ones that are being listened to. And this is a civics lesson for everyone. Um, It is true that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. There's no doubt about that. When you show up, you can show up at a meeting 50 people strong and you might be 50 of the 80 people in the entire city that believe it but 50 of you showed up at a meeting they're going to listen and that's what's been happening so here are just a couple of the headlines that have drawn me to this topic detroit murder suspect out on bond you know not that big of a deal accused in fourth killing Jonathan Welch allegedly killed a woman and stole her vehicle before setting it on fire weeks before being charged with another murder. Let that sink in. Now, I went on this rant when we talked about capital punishment of where we don't focus enough on the victims and many times the perpetrators become the victim. This is what I'm talking about. I don't know anything about Jonathan Welch or his life. Nothing. But... If he's being let out on bond, it's going to also be about the life and the upbringing he had. And I am, I understand that. I think the Big Brothers, Big Sisters programs, foster parenting, the idea that we are going to mentor young people. It's why I coached for as long as I did. I love the game of football. I truly do. But it is about being around a locker room full of young men and, and, and talking with them about a common goal and giving them a team aspect of things and other things to look forward to and really keeping them out of trouble because it was those very coaches. I wasn't much of a football player when I was a kid. I was very small. It was the coaches that taught me how to coach that mentored me like we mentored the kids that we were on these teams. And I believe this with all of my heart. 
that they're but when they step out of, and I, I actually oddly enough there was a kid named Jonathan that played for us that was could have been could have been a superstar. There are just these kids that are physically head and shoulders above the rest at every eight, every level that they're at. We all know the big kid in Little League that hits the home runs, and by the time kids catch up in high school, he's still a pretty good player, but he's not what you thought he was going to be. And then there are some kids that it doesn't matter what age level they are. Deion Sanders was like that. Watching Deion play at 12 years old was exactly the same as watching him play when he was a Hall of Famer in football and baseball. He also was a basketball star in high school. He just physically was head and shoulders above everybody else. We had a kid that played for us named Jonathan. Same thing. This kid was head and shoulders. He was just a an elite athlete. And Jonathan, in at a very young age, decided to run with a crowd where they were robbing people, and he committed a murder. And he spent his life, the majority of his adult life, in prison. And when he got out, he went back to prison. Now, that's sad, and it's a choice he made, and it is outside the realm and outside of the norms of what we were able to do with most of the young men that we coached and the young girls that played sometimes and some were cheerleaders. But through those organizations of, of football and other sports, we were able to help people see a different path. Not always, but when they make bad choices, they get bad results. Um, and this, to me, is part of the uh, issue is um, people are focused on a gun as opposed to who's holding it. People are focused on the wrong things, in my opinion. Um, and, and I don't, for the life of me, understand uh, how this works. You've got a murder suspect in Detroit that somehow they believed – um, he was accused of killing his mother, his stepfather, and his ex-girlfriend after being released from jail on bond and has been charged now with a fourth murder. Jonathan Welch, Welch allegedly killed a 24-year-old prior to his original arrest in June. Prosecutors said Welch killed this – her name is Natalia Morse – with blunt force trauma to the head, then stole her car and set it on fire. In the weeks after the killing, he was charged with three other murders. So for people that have been looking at victims or are, are victims of crimes, these are some of the things as citizens we have to be looking at. Because whether it's an elected position like the county attorney's office or if in some cases it's an appointed position, the ideology of people matters. If you've got somebody in a leadership position and they are allowing this to happen, judges the same way. When we vote on superior court judges, I will tell you, I get emails from people all the time asking me, what do you know about the judges? I don't know anything about the judges. I, I, I know to the to some people's surprise, I've never been a defendant in a court case. I've never been arrested. But I don't know anything about the judges. But when you have either judges that are making these kinds of decisions or prosecutors or them in conjunction with each other, and you have people that are guilty of heinous crimes, although not convicted yet, uh, out on the street with very little punishment, bond or bail, these are the kinds of results we get. And it is a more comprehensive issue than just cops on the street. I think that is the primary thing we need is we need to fully staff our fire departments. We need to fully staff our police departments for public safety's sake. But on the prosecution side of things, we need those things handled as well. Um, an interesting question about uh, education with new things that have come out. Did the Department of Justice intimidate parents? When they made their statement about schools, I've got an FBI memo that says they think so. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment.
values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Just letting nostalgia set in for people. Yes, that is KISS. Uh, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Um, I'm going to try not to delve too much into the particulars. I want to talk in, in, in broader strokes because I think this is, in fairness, how we get to a solution. We draw battle lines on sides of an issue as we're supposed to do. We argue about them. We are supposed to. We debate them. We fight for what we believe in. We try to get people to join us. We try to win at the ballot box. We try to win with people that make laws and our legislators that we elect. But I want to talk about the reasoning behind it. I can honestly say to you that I can completely disagree with someone protesting an issue and 100% support their ability and their right to protest. I mean that sincerely. I did not agree at all with the Black Lives Matter movement, or I should say more specifically, the defund the police movement. I didn't agree with it at all. But there was absolutely no doubt that people that want to take to the streets and peacefully protest have every right to do that. They should not be uh, joined by people that want to glom onto their issue and do, commit acts of violence. And that that was happening. It happens with a lot of protests where good people um, going back to the Tea Party movement, when the Tea Party movement started across this country, um, it was people that said tea, T-E-A, taxed enough already. The Tea Party movement was largely people, everyday people that never protested anything in their lives coming out of their homes holding up signs and saying, I'm just tired of what's happening. It was later on when other people kind of joined the movement where it became a lot more adversarial and aggressive and some people changed. I'm not saying that's what the movement is. I'm saying when these things happen, groups of people have a right to protest. There were, uh, you know, um, uh, as much as I disagree with them, there were people from the AEU, the Arizona Educators United, down at the Capitol. I believe it was yesterday or Wednesday they were down at the Capitol. Um, don't agree with them at all. And they had about 14 people show up. They have a right to be there. They have an absolute right. I would disagree with them vehemently on issues, but I would stand right next to them if someone told them they didn't have a right to be there. They absolutely do. So why in the world were parents or our parents at odds, are upset about what's happening? And there's a reason. Parents didn't just decide a couple of years ago during COVID, you know what? We don't like school boards. We don't like some of these teacher organizations, and we're just going to go. We don't like what's – it wasn't made up out of whole cloth. Here is a, a couple of headlines. Um, intimidating parents into silence. Garland's FBI order on school meetings had a chilling effect, attorneys testify. When Merrick Garland ordered directing the FBI to use its authority on people who protested school board meetings led to intimidating parents into silence, an attorney testified on Thursday. So this is um, the FBI's response here. Here's a quote from a, 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 a memo. I hope the DOJ cons- reconsiders FBI personnel blindsided by attorney General Garland's memo targeting parents. Um, there is a reason why parents are doing things the way that they are doing them. So you can disagree. I, I had. Uh, I, I still think it's a conversation worth going back and listening to. Beth Lewis would save our schools, Arizona. We don't agree on a lot of things. 
But we always have a civil debate on issues. She's very knowledgeable about education. She makes room for my opinions, even though she doesn't agree. We push back on each other's points of view, but we do it respectfully, and that's the kind of conversation I love. We just talked the other day about this hotline where, you know, the Empower Hotline, where the Department of Education is allowing parents that have a complaint to call in. And there's all this uproar on the other side that this is somehow attacking teachers and demeaning to teachers, and it absolutely is not. It's a, it's a customer service hotline. There are plenty of instances. I've had it done to me on a, on a couple of occasions when my girls were in elementary and in high school, and I know it happens to parents all the time. You have an issue with a teacher, you address it with the teacher. You don't get relief from the teacher, so you go to the principal. You don't get relief from the principal. Where do you go? If you go to a school board meeting or you go to the school board itself with a complaint and you don't get uh, any kind of answers if they refuse, and I will tell you that there are a lot of requests for information. The Freedom of Information Act is being employed, and a lot of questions have been asked, and in many places, they're not getting answers. I know in Phoenix it's happening right now where people are asking for things from the school boards, which is within their right to ask for, and it's getting slow rolled, and they don't get answers. These things are happening. Now, whether they turn out to be something that is offensive to you or you think is wrong and should be corrected is beside the point. A person has a right to protest. A parent has a right to information. And you've got now the Department of Justice um, sending a memo a while ago, and you had the National um, uh, School Board Administration or Association, whatever they are, um, they put out a letter to the White House where they later said the White House helped him write it. Now, this is a common occurrence. When you are going to put something official in front of a White House official, you talk about what your issues are, and then you officially put it in a letter, and I filed an official complaint, or I've officially sent this letter to the White House. They've officially rebutted to me. Well, they claim that the language in the letter in which they called some parents domestic terrorists, and they asked for FBI involvement and DOJ involvement. This is the National School Board Association. They did this in a formal letter to the White House, and when they got blowback, Arizona uh, severed the relationship with the National School Board Association because of this. When they got all this blowback, they said the White House helped us write that language. Parents have a right to be upset. So I would say to you out there, anybody out there that disagrees with me, great. Put yourself in the shoes of those parents. Black Lives Matter. What if... What if the attorney general under Donald Trump went to the FBI and said, I want you to watch him. I want you in there. I want you to stand over their shoulder. Would that be the right thing to do? And if the answer from you is no, then it's wrong here. So there is a reason, whether you agree with the premise, whether you agree that there are reasons for parents to be upset and, to, and changes need to be made to curriculum. Maybe you like critical race theory. Maybe you think social-emotional learning is a valuable thing. Maybe you agree with all that. How do you disagree with the way these parents are handling it? When they didn't get relief, the superintendent of public instruction said, we are going to open up a hotline. If you're not getting relief at the district level, if you're not getting relief on the school boards, if you have an issue with something going on in school and you're not getting relief, call us and we'll look into it. It's not a condemnation. It's okay. We're going to look into it. And you can tell by the pushback where the problems lie. Coming up in a moment, um, Representative Liz Harris. I don't know if you know the story about her having testimony in a hearing at the state legislature. And uh, she says now that it was her constitutional duty to do it. We'll talk about what she did next.
strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. For being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Happy Friday from the Mike Broomhead Show. This is a great opportunity for you to say thank you. Legendary voice of the Phoenix Suns, Al McCoy, has announced his retirement. We'd like to hear from you on the topic. You can text Al, text AL, to 620-620 and submit a video to thank you, Al. We may even play your message on the air. If you want to thank Al McCoy, just text Al to 620-620. So, um, this story is about election integrity. Representative uh, Liz Harris, a freshman legislator, when she was elected, said she would not vote on any piece of legislation from either party until the election results were fixed in the state of Arizona, which was a big deal because there's only a one-seat majority in the House. And even if you had all other uh, Republicans on board on an issue, her vote or lack of a vote, I should say, uh, would not get the majority that was needed to win over on anything. So she held a lot of the cards when she entered into the office. There was a hearing that was going on. In, uh, in, in, it was a, uh, it was a bi-chamber he- hearing. There were both House and Senate, uh, members involved, and she brought in a witness to testify, um, and the, made some very outlandish, uh, accusations that both leadership in the House, uh, the House Speaker and the Senate President said they didn't know anything about, and that this surprised them, and that this was, if you can't substantiate things before you bring it into testimony, it shouldn't have been done. So she was hit with an ethics complaint, um, so I want you to hear a little bit of this. This is the committee hearing on Liz Harris. This is Dennis Welch over at AZ Family talking about this issue. That hearing is going to focus on Liz Harris's guests and how she was allowed to come down here and make those wild accusations that the top elected leaders in our state were taking bribes from a crime syndicate. So her response to all of this, I want you to hear, this is what's interesting about this. This is what Representative Harris has, how she's responded. Harris has issued a response to the Ethics Committee that said, in part, in today's society, the right to free speech is one of our most fundamental liberties. I brought forth a witness who had testimony to share without endorsing, confirming, or denying the allegations that were presented. And see, that's such a an oversimplified, I have a right to speak. You do have a right to speak. You don't have a light, right to damage people's care. Characters. I spoke with at a group a couple of weeks ago. There is a great group in the East Valley. It's the uh, Mesa Republican Women's Group, and they have a huge show. You know, there's a couple of hundred people that show up for a luncheon once a month, and they discuss issues within their party and issues important to their community. And they asked me to come and speak to them uh, a couple of weeks ago, and this topic came up. Uh, because at the time it was very fresh in people's minds and the topic came up and I kind of talked about the issue and said you got to be careful about the accusations you make. There really is no affirmation of any of this being true, but people are believing it because one person actually said to me, well, if she said it on the House floor, how could she say it if it wasn't true? People were, and she didn't say it, but she allowed the testimony to be said. How could this person make that testimony if it isn't true? So they're lending credibility because of the forum of the meeting, but there was uh, uh, one of the women in attendance stood up and said, my husband is one of the people that was named in that accusation, and I can tell you we're not part of the cartel. Now, I have a twisted sense of humor, and I don't know, if, and she laughed along with me, but I said, did you ever in a million years imagine that you would have to stand up in this room and say to this room full of people that your family is not connected to a cartel? And everybody laughed, and she laughed, and said, no, never, because on its face, you think, how outrageous, 
The issue here on election integrity is already tense enough. When you start accusing, and there's both Republicans and Democrats, and we're talking about major political leaders in the state of Arizona, that this person has accused of taking bribes and being involved in land and deed deals with the cartels. That is a felonious accusation. You are accusing someone of a felony. Um, Briefly, I'll tell you this. This happened to me when I was younger. Um, and, and the reason why this is a passionate topic for me is because when I was much younger, I was injured in a car crash. I got a small settlement from an insurance company, and I invested in a teen center. Now, I was 20 years old, I believe, um, and I invested maybe a little older, maybe 21. I don't remember, but um, – I went out and did what every idiot does that gets a settlement from an insurance company, and no one is there to advise them. I bought a brand new vehicle. I put a huge stereo with the big bass speakers in it. Um, you know, this was the '80s, man. That's what I did, and. Um, we opened up a teen center. I did it with some parents that lived in this little town. So we all went in on it together, and it was gangbusters in this mall, gangbusters. We were filling the place every weekend because there was nothing for kids to do in this town. It was fun, and it was safe, and it had video games and pool tables and a dance floor and a DJ. It was a cool place for kids to hang out, and parents knew where their kids were. We were right next door to a church, a storefront evangelical church, and they didn't like us there because of the music we played, and they didn't like us in this plaza at all. All. And they started a rumor that I was a drug dealer. Here's this 20-year-old kid with a bunch of money and a brand new car and a big bass boom stereo. Of course, he's a drug dealer. And uh, the place emptied. So I didn't feel bad for me as much as my partners who were a couple of adults that had jobs in town that invested a lot of money in this. And it was because I, it was said that I was dealing drugs out of the place. Within a couple of months, we were empty. We ended up closing. Um, and that was just, you know, it was a horrible thing that they did to me. But it happens. Here you have an official, and this was just, this was Footloose is what this was. This was, I lived the real version of Footloose. And what we're talking about here are accusations that political leaders are taking bribes from cartels. And I'm going to read a quote from Liz Harris. Um, the legislature cannot abrogate the power of the people to freely speak of their grievances or block them from our legislative house and access to their servants. That's true. But that doesn't mean that someone can walk in there and accuse a member of sexual assault, let's say, or something else egregious because they don't agree with them politically and tarnish their reputation without any proof whatsoever. That's also the truth. Along with your freedom of speech comes a responsibility, and I don't know that that responsibility has been fulfilled, so we'll find out what happens with this ethics complaint. I think this is going to go pretty far. I think this is an issue that people are going to take up, and what's unfortunate about this is, again, the people that want to talk about election integrity, not talking about it. We're talking about this, and it's an issue. It's a big issue. In a moment – The TikTok hearings, were they based on xenophobia? One TikTok executive said that's what it felt like. We'll talk about that coming up here in just one moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. 
Hey, thanks for being here. One of the conversations happening has to do with the app tip TikTok. Uh, Gatos and I talked about it this morning. We do a segment every morning called um, the Big Q Poll Question of the Day. And uh, during that segment today, it was about TikTok. Should it be banned? Do you think so? Or are you not sure? And a lot of people aren't sure because we don't um, we don't grasp the entirety of what the argument is about. I, I understand that the use of smartphones is a generational thing. And what I mean by that is I love social media, but I use it differently than young people. I use Twitter as a way to engage with people and have conversations with people, whether I like them or I don't. Sometimes it's sarcastic. Sometimes it's snarky, whatever it is. But it's just one more avenue and able to have a conversation with someone. Same thing with Facebook and Instagram. Same thing. Uh, you know, and I use I've, uh, Instagram a lot of times for goofy memes and silly things between friends. Um, but that's not younger people look at social media as we would see it as a news source. A lot a lot of people get their news from Twitter. They get their news from these. This is where they go to find trending topics and they go and they research news topics. It's it's a different investment and a different part of their life. If TikTok were to go away, I would save a couple of hours a week. I don't go to TikTok. I don't have the app downloaded, but I see the videos. My nieces and my nephew and my family and they share videos. I'd save a lot of time during the week because I watch them and they make me laugh and some of the stuff people do are outrageous. But is there a deeper issue? Are the Chi- is the CCP, is the Chinese government, are the Chinese Communist Party, are they spying on Americans? Are they using this to direct information to our children in a way that's bad? Is this really happening? So this is Justin Finch from ABC talking about what is the federal government looking for in these hearings. Congress seems more determined than ever to ban TikTok, the Chinese-owned social media platform with 150 million users in the U.S. TikTok CEO faced five hours of questioning from Democrats and Republicans. Lawmakers demanding to know whether the platform can protect Americans' data or whether that data could end up in the hands of the Chinese government. So is this about national security or is this about the First Amendment and our, your right to speak? Is, is this a Trojan horse using a platform? Now, 150 million people is almost half the country. If almost half the country has this, we were concerned. Let's talk about kind of the reality here, taking out the platform itself. All of America watched and most of America was outraged that China had a spy balloon that traversed most of our country. I would say, you know, half of North America coming across Canada, making its way across the United States and finally being shot down over the Atlantic Ocean. But America was incensed that a Chinese spy balloon with the capability of who knows what was flying unfettered across the United States. Well, if you're that concerned about the Chinese and looking at data, is this an issue that is worth looking into? Uh, One of the accusations is, and whether it's in this hearing so far or not, is that what TikTok shows Chinese children and what they provide in content for Americans is completely different. That the Chinese government does not allow their children, because they legislate differently than we do, anywhere near the topics and the content that Americans are seeing. But it's more than just content. It's data. So this is uh, this is uh, Jay O'Brien from ABC talking about data retrieval. Can the Chinese government 
access data from TikTok? Can it request that TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, give them information on U.S. users? That's something TikTok says cannot happen, that they're working to make sure can definitely not happen. And Shochu says uh, he's not seen any evidence that the Chinese government has access to user data or any kinds of data. And Anna Eshu says, I find that preposterous. And that was pretty much the theme. Do we trust this company that's owned by a Chinese company that the Chinese government cannot and does not retrieve data from it? And if they do retrieve data, how is it dangerous to the U.S.? Is this dangerous enough to say? Because it's not eliminating people's free speech. What it eliminates them from doing is using this platform for it. Would we be able to outlaw this platform? So here are the creators very quickly talking about uh, the possibility of a ban. TikTok creators nationwide on edge. It honestly looks like TikTok will get banned, which makes me so sad. So y'all trying to ban TikTok because it endangers children, but there was a mass shooting yesterday. Well, TikTok tracks your data. So does Twitter. So does Facebook. Reed Moon says his Utah bookstore, Moon's Rare Books. Now, I've got a lot of cool books here. Struggled during the pandemic and was given a new life when he joined the app. We have almost recouped all of our COVID losses. Nine out of ten people visiting our bookstore said, I had to come by. I saw you on TikTok. He says banning TikTok would force him to downsize. So there are Americans. When I say TikTok creators, these are the people that are are creating content on TikTok, not the people that created the app. These are people that either use it all day long. Again, I'm 50. I'm almost 56 years old. I have a different view of these. It's not going to affect my life dramatically if this app goes away. It's not going to at all. Doesn't mean it's good or bad. I just know that there is a segment of our society as they get younger. It's a larger and larger and larger segment of that of that population that uses this and and is is uh, reliant on it. But does that mean it's dangerous? And I, I'm hoping that we get to real answers here, and it's not just guesswork or fear mongering or at the same time people turning a blind eye because they like it and their business depends on it. If it's dangerous, we want to get rid of it. If it's not, we want to leave it alone. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, two people indicted for human smuggling around the Arizona border, but it's where they're smuggling people from that's a big deal. We'll get to it.